Hey, you're listening to the How To Podcast with your host, me, Beth Evans. Join me each week as I speak with a special female powerhouse about being career conscious, creating inspiring projects, and the importance of leading and defining your own path. So change into those comfies, cozy up with your favorite drink, and be prepared to redefine your goals with the How To Podcast. This season, I'm speaking to career-conscious leaders and thinkers who are creating inspiring projects and pathways during the lockdown and afterwards to inspire you and me to live a full and conscious career. On this episode, I speak to London-based sustainable fashion designer Lydia Bolton. Lydia, who created her namesake brand in 2019, felt compelled to create fashion in a way that didn't harm the environment. Using secondhand clothing sourced from thrift stores and unsellable items in charity stores, Lydia turns unwanted garments and reconstructs them into innovative new women's wear designs. In 2021, Lydia collaborated with Reebok, teaching a starting sustainable lesson as part of the Write Your Legacy campaign. She's also been featured in WGSN, the leading trend forecasting platform as an influencer to watch. And she's also been featured in Miss Vogue as a girl on a mission. Welcome to the How To Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so I've always wanted to learn how to make my own clothes ever since my mum taught me how to sew using her sewing, a singer, sorry, her singer sewing machine that she had since she was around 15 years old. Amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's quite heavy. It's a heavy old thing, but um, <laughs> I love it when she brings it out because she'd mend my school clothes and things with it. And um, I'd just always be fascinated because I, I always thought, oh, you mend things with sewing machines. You don't make clothes, you go to the store and you buy them. But um, quite, my mum sort of told me about um, this lady that lived around the corner from us as a child. And she used to make um, my clothes when I was a baby. So I used to have clothes made for me. Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, we'd go to Scotland and she'd make baby. this. Yeah, I know. I was a very sport little child. <laughs> I've got two older brothers as well, so I'm. But um, uh, yeah. So we used to go to Scotland, and she'd make like there's, there's well, there's pictures, there's evidence of this. There's like a tartan dress, and you know they look exactly like you would buy them from the store. So yeah. I think it's kind of like shedding this view of people making clothes as somebody's made those clothes in the store so why can't you make them at home why can't why can't you just cut the middleman and do it yourself and be more sustainable yeah. um so you're definitely an inspiration for me i Aww. knew i had to <laughs> i knew i had to speak to you because you're incredibly talented at making and designing clothes oh thank you so much it's all right <laughs> <laughs> so you founded lydia bolton in 2019 can you explain a little bit about what you do 
Yes, so I'm a, I call myself a sustainable fashion designer and I tend to put the word sustainable in front of it just because um, although the word sustainability is probably overused, it really is the core of my practice. And so my brand only reuses secondhand and unwanted dead stock materials to turn into new pieces of clothing. So the sustainability part is, um, yeah, the core of my brand and it's like integral that I'm using um, unwanted materials and things which don't have a use anymore rather than using new materials and materials that are made for me to make clothes. So I don't do that. So it's all about reducing waste and giving a new life to secondhand textiles. Yeah, it's amazing. I saw one of your pardon me <laughs> I saw one of your tops the other day and I was thinking god they they look better than what and I'm pretty sure they would last a lot longer than half the stuff that you buy you know cheaply and um you know why why shouldn't people invest in something that you've handmade you know like you've put your time and effort into things and I, I feel like there's some some value in that you know that people need to our people are seeing I guess really because lots of people yeah. are doing it but I think you have a particular style that I really love. I really like the um the the tea towels that you the oh, tops that you made out of tea towels. Thank well. you. <laughs> yeah, yes. So currently I'm working um with a lot of um tablecloths mm -hmm. and they're really fun to remake. So I've got like all these amazing gingham patterns on them. And then when I come across a little stain, I kind of embroider a flower on top of it, or maybe we'll patch a little heart. Um, because obviously these a lot of the textiles I work with do have marks and stains and it's trying to still use the majority of them while balancing in the customer expectation of these pieces being a reasonable investment in my opinion they're not um, super cheap so people do yeah they are investing in my pieces and I want the quality to obviously be amazing and really high for them um, so yeah it's kind of managing their expectations and covering little marks and it's still being something that they're super happy with so do you also if if somebody contacted you and said look I've got these old clothes could you make something new for me do you do that as well uh yeah it's not um it's a service that I've been kind of having like thinking on and off about if mm -hmm. I want to like fully advertise and introduce if it's if someone messaged me and wanted me to do it I'm very happy I basically always say yes to everything I'm always happy to do things for people um <laughs> but I do it's not something that I advertise that I do but it is something I'd be very happy to do for people I do a lot of um mending for kind of friends and family but again it's not something I advertise because it's mending is um slightly less fun than creating your own clothes yeah, I can imagine. So there are yeah. more noticeable sustainable fashion brands in the industry recently. What does sustainability mean to you? For me, sustainability is really about what I, I think the real sustainable term is that it kind of has longevity and isn't disposable. For me, sustainability is more about being circular and yeah. in that's kind of in our approach to everything, not having things that we just use once and dispose of, which kind of fits in with the main terms of sustainability, but having things that can be used in a continuous loop. And once it's finished, once we've finished with it, it can then go to someone else and go to someone else. And these kind of like, we have a limited amount of resources and we're really running out in the world and everything mm. is being so overused and then just thrown away instantly it's kind of changing that approach to actually the longevity of things and reusing them as much as possible and how everything has such a long lifeline and lifespan doesn't just need to be thrown away yeah I, I feel like I, I went to Bali a few years ago and um 
I was at this beautiful temple and I walked all to this top. I was absolutely sweating. <laughs> and um, I, I was looking at the landscapes and I just saw this um, sort of dam next to the temple. And in it was just piles and piles of clothes. I've never seen so much just dumped, you know? Yeah. And it that that to me, that, that brought home that we need to do something. Because you, when you see where things go when they're not wanted you know they don't just go to charity stores they don't just um go to the recycling bins you know things that, that we've just done throughout the years i mean god when i was um when i was in my teens quite a lot i i used to have hand-me-downs from my cousin you know things that she'd only worn once or something and now i do yeah. the same to my nieces and nephews um yeah. not my nephew sorry my nieces <laughs> you'd be mortified if i said that <laughs> <laughs> um, he's very much into his football gear. Um, yeah, I just, I, and they, they love it. You know, I remember having a little kind of rummage and I was thinking I've never worn this, but I, I just, yeah. you know, you just, it's, it's odd how you pick things up and then you just put them in your cupboard or I've got two suitcases that were for traveling, but now they're just to put my like summer clothes in. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. so. I think it's really important to be circular. I think it's really important to, you know, at least if you're, at least if you're, you know, at least if you're handing them down throughout generations or, you know, like people like yourself are reusing them for different things. It's, it's so sad seeing clothes like that being dumped, you know, and yeah. not used. And like you said, we are running out of resources and all these, um, these scenarios that uh, these you know these super super um, hero films and things, but they're like the world that world has gone because they've used up all their natural resources. That is happening. We are on that path, yeah. and it's yeah, quite literally. it's quite scary, isn't it? Because I'm I think I don't have any superpowers. I, I can't yeah. fly off. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know it is scary. Um, but like what you just said, I also grew up on kind of a lot of hand me downs. I've got an yeah. older sister, an older brother. And the younger brother so me and my younger brother always were wearing hand-me-downs and kind of like clothing from friends people mm. other people older than us would donate their clothes and mm. yeah so I have grew up in quite a um hand-me-down um lifestyle my mum even set up a second-hand clothing shop at my school so that <laughs> the clothing was quite expensive so it meant that when people had bought it and then didn't want it anymore they could donate it and then it oh, would be lovely. Yeah, so I was kind of grown up in quite a sustainable household. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, we um, I remember my neighbour had the first. I'd I'd never knew what a compost heap was, and then I remember we were just talking about different ways that we were reusing things. So they they put they have this massive compost heap, and they were um, putting their you know food and things on there, and then with clothes they were remaking their clothes. So, Amazing. Yeah, so they were already doing that, and then um, obviously I found out that my mum was um having clothes made for me and then I, I don't know I think she kept those clothes to be honest I think we keep a lot of things in this house like I've kept yeah. my old um you know I don't know if you know what surveillance families are yeah of course yeah <laughs> yeah of course they're not I lit up then <laughs> I used to play with them yeah I had a whole village and I used to tidy the hell out of it everything used to be in its place and I, I've had friends over like you're not going in that room <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I've, I've kept my mum, I, I remember, so my mum bought the bare bones of this um, hotel, the civilian family hotel sort of thing, and it yeah. was the first big thing that I'd had in a, I, I always try and look after things that I have, you know, whatever we kind of 
give them down to generations or stuff like that and that's what we did a lot with with the other spin families that i had but i remember this particular one she didn't know but the weeks going up to christmas obviously i was believing that santa claus was real and things like that and um hopefully no one listened to this podcast we'll, <laughs> we'll have the lid blown um but uh yeah, so the the weeks going up to the uh, to Christmas, I remember seeing her hand making these tiny little curtains and wow. sticking them above the window, making these tiny little um, bedding, you know, out of just like tablecloths and things yeah. that she had lying around the house. Tiny around. <gasps> I loved it, and Amazing. It, we've kept all of them, and they're like they have little lace on the side of the pillows and every. Oh, it's oh so cute. <laughs> wow! Yeah. Is your mum quite an experience? quite an experienced sewer or was she being quite creative because that sounds like a really um like expert thing to be doing and definitely <laughs> a very creative way to to do it with lots of detail I think because of the generation that she grew up in I think you kind of naturally um owned a sewing machine back then yeah. you know at that age yeah, yeah. and she's about 15 and she she had this she's got it it's this downstairs it's this massive blue blue big thing and um it's beautiful and it's i don't i just think that singer machines things like that like argus they like the older they get the more vintage and more beautiful they look and um yeah, yeah like i've always grown up with her like i don't know just um mending clothes and making yeah. clothes and sewing she taught me how to sew and um yeah i I think we like to mend things here. We don't like to buy new. Um, no. Too, you, you know, too often, I think, obviously, there's yeah. certain things that you have to buy. But, um, yeah, I think I think she's kind of like an expert. I think I've got lots of stories of, like, <laughs> where she, where she um, would sew different things, you know, like your school trousers when they would, like, split at the back. And, oh, yeah. You had no time to get any more, so she'd I'd be, like, screaming, ah, I, I can't get to school <laughs> with these. I've got a hole in my pants. So, you know, all sorts of things, really. But, yeah, I think I think she is, but I just don't think she has the confidence to, oh. you know, to start a business or something like that. But um, yeah. she, she likes to write now, so she does um, she does lettering and uh, every oh, wow. week. Yeah, she has, like, a U3A group. Yeah, and um, I think she started something recently with gardening as well. So she tries whatever she does, whether it's drawing, painting, decoupage, anything creative, sewing. She loves doing like little flowers and you know, like incorporating nature into things. So amazing. Yeah, I think that's what I. I think that's where we are quite similar. We're both quite yeah. creative, but um, yeah, it's something that I want to want to learn how to do I think I would need to mend her sewing machine because she said it's broken it doesn't go back anymore it only goes forward uh, mm, yeah the back stitch is um is vital because yeah. when you start your stitch you have to um go backwards a couple of times to secure it yeah definitely so um she said you might need to get that sort of redone because it's nice because yeah. I'm gonna get that one day and I, I'm looking forward to it so um, um yeah, I always like the idea of making making my own clothes or making bags or anything creative, really. Because I don't, yeah, I got so much clothes, and I remember like giving giving away a load, and that you always kind of feel a bit like, oh, like I, I wish I would have, you know, if I learned how to sew, maybe I could remake them into to a design that I really like, you know. Yeah, so it's on the list of things to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, when you can see your wardrobe as being something that you can then remake, it's got like a whole new life 
it's like yeah it has more end like kind of an endless possibility of what can happen yeah definitely I, I was in I was living in Vietnam um sort of 2019 to 2020 obviously got to come home because of covid but um mm. when I was out there you wouldn't buy clothes you would have them made yeah yeah and that's something that you would just take a picture of what you wanted and then they would do your measurements you pick out a piece of material or go to the fabric market or you know go in the shop and um I had I had a couple of bits made when I was in Hoi An they're like historic sewing you know the historic makers they can make anything for you and you really want to invest in these people because they hand make it yourself like it's it kind of makes you rethink about um the fashion industry yeah and I just feel like I want to invest in the people that actually make it rather than the companies you know what I mean like yeah exactly where the people who make it are exploited exactly you want to um make sure that the people who are making it are being paid fairly for their time because they're not are they so um no it's it's like on average they're well I don't want to misquote a fact but it's they're paid so low like in under pounds per month or per week it's really bad and 80 percent of garment workers are female so it is mainly women that are being really underpaid and exploited yeah exactly so on to my next question how important is it that big brands like Reebok choose to use their influence in the fashion industry to educate us about sustainability um, yeah, I think it's super important. I did um, a talk with Reebok in January called Starting Sustainable, and it was a lesson in sustainability about my journey of working in sustainable fashion and just sharing my thoughts on it. So I think it's really important that brands highlight this and kind of really put it at the forefront. But I think what was great about what Reebok did and what I think um, a way brands to do it is to use people that actually really are working in sustainability and are really working in the field and highlighting their voice, which I really appreciated Reebok doing and not necessarily making a conversation about them, but kind of actually putting forward people that kind of really are doing the work and then behind the scenes making changes themselves. Obviously for big brands, it's a much harder thing um, Mm. working sustainably compared to a smaller brand that's more agile. But yeah, it's really important that they kind of, yeah, have the conversations and they're quite hard conversations for big brands to have because not that many big brands actually are sustainable, as we all know. No, I know. And I think that it's really important. Um, I saw that talk and I I know that I was quite surprised, if I'm honest, I was quite surprised at them having these talks. And then I was reading up about what the the, the changes they're making, because I don't like... I think it's so important that they don't just give a voice, like you said, they're not just talking about them, you know, they're not talking about themselves, they're highlighting you, and then they're also highlighting the changes that they're making, because, you know, if you know that a brand hasn't really been sustainable all these years, you want to know that they're listening to people like yourselves, and they're also making the changes, you know, so, um, yeah, it's super important, and it's something that it's going to change fashion forever I think they keep keep doing this yeah definitely definitely I think it's um just like important to also say that it the the talking needs to come with like action and a follow-through yeah exactly exactly um what was the quote it's not who we are it's what we do that defines us I think that's from Batman actually 
<laughs> it is true though isn't it because it's not yeah, who they yeah. are it's what they're doing it's so yeah, important for sure. yeah. Um, so for anyone listening what's your advice on three ways that they can become more sustainable today okay three ways okay I'm gonna give a mix of like general kind of more ethos and like practical things this is my number one practical thing is to buy bar soap instead of soap in a plastic bottle just think how much soap in plastic how much plastic bottles can be reduced if everyone bought bar soap and it's exactly the same it just doesn't come in a plastic bottle so that's always when people are like oh what can I do I'm like buy bar soap Mm. and you can use bar soap mainly well mainly now the pandemic we're obviously washing our hands loads so for what like the wash the soap you use to wash your hands um if you're happy to take it to the next level then you can use your bar soap in your shower instead of shower gel and then the step after that is you can use um shampoo bars instead of shampoo bottles and that's quite an easy step for everyone to take to live a little bit more sustainably and have a little bit less plastic in their lives but not kind of it's not any more expensive buying bar soap it's not um any more difficult really it's not like with foods where you then might not be able to eat something you like it's a fairly um straightforward step for us all it is it definitely is I I make my own soap amazing yeah so I I I was kind of I, I blog about clean beauty and I was horrified at all the crap that they put in soap yeah really annoyed actually because like you're kind of like <laughs> like I'm so clean you're not clean one you're full of plastic two yeah you're full of chemicals that are like you know all, all sorts of like all the spectrum of health problems that they're like well you're just lucky you're just unlucky no you're not unlucky it's the the beauty industry is also the fashion industry with the chemical dyes and stuff that they're putting in in clothes and stuff but yeah I found it very very easy to make my own hand soap that I also use as body wash amazing you know like as a woman you have to be really careful about what body wash that you use because it really can affect your ph level it can affect your moves it can affect all sorts of things and um I all I use is just castile soap and there's something that my mum told me she just said oh why don't you just use castile soap because uh, that's the oldest natural cleaner yeah that you can use it's just soap Beth like it's literally like it takes on a new meaning of what we what we know as soap you know and um yeah like there's some great soap bars I bought two shampoo um hair soap bars hair bars Shampoo yeah. hair bars, that's the one. Shampoo <laughs> hair bars to try. I had a bit of a tough time with one of them. I think that yeah, it, you get like a bit sort of gummy after a while, don't you? So I think you can get natural um, surfants. Is it, sur- how do you say it? Surf- surfants? I don't know. You don't? <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, I only have basic beauty knowledge. I've oh. got a nice... Um, I have a really, really amazing shampoo bar from We Are Centered mm. and they're quite a small brand um, and we kind of kind of know the girl who has set it up, but their shampoo bars are amazing, amazing. It's the best. I've tried a few and mm. hers is definitely the best that I've oh, tried. You have to send me the link because I'm, I'm making steps slowly and yeah. um, I switched to an all natural shampoo and it's made from yeah. recycled plastic and I'm kind of wanting to get away from it. So I use glass yeah. bottles to put my soap in I make. Yeah. So I add the Castile, add the carrier oil and then I add the scented 
um, essential oil and it's like, I'm like, fine, my body smells fine. I'm going to put oils afterwards when I come out of the shower and it's like, I feel good about it, you know? Yeah. Wow. So you have soap bars. What was the next one? So soap bars, I would suggest. Um, and then the next one, which is more of an ethos, is think about where it's come from and think about where it's going. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of thinking about the whole life cycle of, in particular, fashion, but it's applicable to all products that we buy, like same that you're talking about with beauty. Yeah. But say, for example, with clothing, think about who's made it. If this top is £10, and it's from a big brand, how much do you think someone has actually been paid to make this top? Mm. And then if you do have any knowledge of sewing, think about how long it might take, might actually take to make the top. Obviously the garment workers are really skilled and they've been doing it for years and um, they don't get loads of breaks and everything obviously being exploited. So they can make clothes very quickly. But if you kind of, forget about that slightly and just think about actually how long that garment would take to make and if it's being sold for 10 pounds like I wouldn't be able to make the clothes that sell for 10 pounds I couldn't sell a top for 10 pounds because that won't even cover my time for cutting out the top or something you know all these Mm. things Mm. so think about where it's come from and then also think about where it's going if you're buying a dress which you think looks amazing for your party the virtual zoom party Mm. um are you actually going to wear that dress many more times where will the dress go after you don't want it is it something that you can then give to a friend or is it actually something that you're going to buy not want and then donate to a charity shop most likely that donation will then end up being exported and dumped in another in another country so yeah think about the pre and post um life cycle of your purchases great and so that was that one, two, is that three now? Well, that was kind of, that. I guess these are all quite deep points. And then um, my third and final point is wait 30 days before you buy something. Yeah, that's a great and thing, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's something I really do now with my shopping. I used to be quite impulsive and mm. especially as a teenager when I was less sustainably focused would buy, just instantly buy something that I wanted. Whereas now, now I buy things probably after about three months of wanting them, I'll mm. then buy them. And that's a mix of me like wanting to be careful with my finances, but also it's a mix of me knowing if I really want it after three months, it really is something that I really want. And then will be something that I really wear for a long time and really um I'm so happy and make the full most of buying make the full most of make the most of buying as <laughs> yeah. opposed to it being something uh more <laughs> impulsive which we then don't care about and then dispose of easily and because that's yeah. obviously the most unsustainable way to be yeah definitely I think I, I do like a treat system for myself <laughs> yeah when I'm researching I find myself on my desk a lot and um I think during the pandemic, it's not really changed that much for me. I, I mean, I was sitting here anyway, but I think what it is does is it doesn't allow you to do things like go for a drink with your friends or, you know, the normal things that you would do, like I'm going to go and have lunch in that nice place or I'm going to have cake today. That's yeah. a treat. So, I mean, so now if, if I'm buying any clothes, I mean, I, I lived in Vietnam. I only bought the clothes, so the clothes that I had made um, yeah. were the only ones that I bought wow. I a pair of trousers from this store because <laughs> the pair of trousers that I had had a hole in them so I was just like <laughs> great <laughs> I have to buy some more um, but yeah so I, I knew that 
I'd gone so long with making do with what I had, you know, because yeah. I couldn't afford to buy anything. So it made me really look at, do I actually need them? So when I came home, I bought um, a few dresses from um, a sustainable brand. And then now yeah. I've not bought any more. I'm thinking I'm just going to rewear them again. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then if, if I want something, I just it's got to be a treat I've got to do something for it and it's not like a one day thing it's like a month or so and I try and buy you know and then if so I've got I use quite a lot of um face theory and these glass bottles are great for um just I like plant stuff I put like a little my mum loves gardening so we have seeds and things lying around so I put yeah you know reusing them and stuff like that so yeah it's just it's important that you try and practice your sustainability right so yeah definitely yeah yeah exactly like fit it in with your lifestyle you know as well and and kind of well not fit it in like fit your lifestyle into sustainability really yeah well I I think on that I think um living sustainably is a constant journey and process that we're all on Mm. like I'm definitely no one's 100% sustainable and it's not something that you can just you don't achieve sustainability so I think it's um yeah making to start with making small changes Uh which do fit with your lifestyle and then once those have become habits then you can make other small changes which then become habits and then just yeah constantly trying a little bit better and being really conscious of the things that we do I think it's the the mindless going through actions that um then end up in a really unsustainable lifestyle whereas if you're constantly just aware of what's going on you know like I'm definitely not 100% perfect I always like I'll, I'll buy salad in a bag and then I'm always annoyed with myself because I've got like bag I hate having all this food waste packaging and mm. it's something that I'm aware of and I'm trying to um have less of but it's mm. definitely yeah it's all it's all about the process and just trying your best definitely I think one of my goals when I get to like I don't know 30 something or whatever I want to have a house I want to have family but so my brother has he lives quite sustainably um they have their own veggie patch they grow their own fruit veg and that's something that I want to do because I want I don't want to go into a store and you know you when you buy lettuce and it's in plastic I just it just annoys me yeah that plastic is now in the lettuce that I'm eating like the microplastics Yeah. yeah yeah I um I get this veg box it does it's fruit and veg but I just get the veg one because I'm less into fruit um but from odd box have you heard of them yeah yes so yeah yes it's a box I get the box I get it every two weeks but you can choose the frequency and it's um vegetables which weren't able to be sold in the supermarket so otherwise would be wasted and Mm. they generally don't come in plastic Oh, very few things they either come in paper bags a couple of things come in plastic like maybe salad or something but hardly anything comparatively to buying it um in the shop and also you know you're getting all your veggies which otherwise would be wasted and thrown away so that they're a really um that could be an easy swap for someone to do if they deliver to to your area I think yeah. I don't know where they deliver but yeah but for people could check out if they deliver to their area and that's like quite, um a nice sustainable swap to make yeah, definitely. I think my dad's my dad's got a little veg, veggie patch and um, we've had one since we were kids, really. And it's always been quite fun, like, you know, planting things that we can grow, like potatoes and carrots. And, you know, um, there, there's so many pictures on Facebook where my mum's just, 
you know, my dad's grown these massive like cauliflower or massive like um, cabbage or something. And um, it's it's kind of amazing when you when you do something like that, like you're investing in um, veg that would have been just disposed of. And it's really sad, really, because it kind of relates to the beauty industry quite often. If it doesn't look perfect, then it's not classed as beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Same way veg, if it doesn't look perfect, it won't be sold. And, um, you know, having things like odd veg, growing veg yourself, where the veg that would have, you know, like, you don't chuck them away. You're just like, oh, it's it's fun if the carrot's wonky, if it's got another leg here or whatever, like, yeah. take pictures and you just cut it off and do it. So why? Yeah, so it's there's, there's definitely needs, people need to know about things like that as well so they can make the changes themselves and you know learn about different um sustainable options rather than just you know they have they need to know that they've got other options rather than just having lettuce from a plastic bag or you know quite often you open your fridge and you just see so much plastic yeah yeah for sure so yeah it's really it's really annoying i remember looking at my fridge a couple months ago and i was thinking god this is so much stuff I was like I have to have to make veg myself <laughs> I have to get away from this um but yeah like you said you can't do everything so you just have to if you found like yourself you found odd veg then you found an alternative so that's another yes. step that you're making um yeah so how has your perspective changed of the fashion industry over the years so my fa- my um, perspective is I've always wanted to work in fashion. My perspective yeah. has changed uh, quite a lot. Yeah, since I was young, always wanted to do fashion, was always really creative, always making things. Then when I was about 13, my mum said, well, if you want to work in fashion, you know, you really have to learn how to sew. I was like, no, mum, I'm going to be the designer who draws clothes. I'm not sewing the clothes. She was like, okay, well, you still need to learn how to sew. So she taught me how to sew and yeah, it just went from there. And the funny thing is that now I make everything I sell. So mum always knows best. And it was very good that she did teach me how to sew. Um, Yes. So I've always wanted to work in fashion. I've always loved um, really over the top clothing. Alexander McQueen was like my favourite designer as a teenager. I did my English project on him. Yeah, I love the like the drama in the clothing, the over the topness, kind of the huge frills, huge pleats, like nature inspired, very dramatic. Um, Then going to uni, the degree I did, which was at Kingston, was very industry focused, very kind of like, I'm a fast fashion brand basically focused. And I really didn't enjoy creating projects for these brands. Mm. So I didn't really enjoy my first or second year. And yeah, I just found it like really boring designing like a plain t-shirt. And then in the third year we could do our own, our own project, which was our graduate collection. And then I made this kind of mix of more over-the-top tracksuits, which it was called the girl that wore tracksuit to prom, and it was a combination of tracksuits and prom dresses, and that was quite over-the-top. At that time, I wasn't, I was really interested in sustainability in my personal life, always shopping secondhand, which has kind of always been how I've bought clothing, has been secondhand in vintage shops, in thrift shops, not buying huge amounts of new clothing. Yeah. Uh, But that was my personal life. In my professional work I thought kind of sustainable clothing was like brown linen hemp and I was more interested in kind of bright colors and over-the-top things so didn't think that they worked together 
then I ended up work after interning was working as a design assistant increasingly interested in sustainability in my personal life and then kind of had the realization that as a designer I had responsibility to create sustainable clothing and mm. if I wanted sustainable clothing that was fun and kind of colorful that would need to be something that I like I could make that I had all the skills I'd mm. learned how to do it mm. so then I decided to leave my job and work in sustainable fashion and I didn't know how but just just knew wanted I wanted it to be sustainable wow. and then yes my, my perception really changed of sustainability being something that was kind of boring whereas yeah. now it's about sustainability for me in fashion is about designing and creating clothing in a sustainable way which is different but it, you don't need to compromise on all of these other things you have to compromise in the way it's produced um, and how you source things but you don't have to compromise on the design and the aesthetic. So did that inspire you to start designing and making your own clothes? Yeah, yeah. So this was, I then, I, well, I'd always made my clo- my own clothes now and again. But so then this, um, I wanted to work in sustainable fashion. I didn't know how or what. So I did this online course at the Centre for Sustainable Fashion with Future Learn. And on this online course, the main um, issue I just kept on being drawn to was the vast amount of garment and textile waste. Mm. So I just had this light bulb moment. I thought, oh, I could just use that unwanted clothing, make it into new clothing. And that's going to be how I work in sustainable fashion by setting up my own brand and doing that. So then it just snowballed from there. And that's what I did. Nice. So what was your first sewing machine and how long did it take you to sew? Well, so my first sewing machine... I learned on my mum's sewing machine yeah. and then so I, I really I really used that all of my um, teenage years I, they didn't buy me my own until I went to uni and I think they got me they just got me one from Lidl you know when Lidl does those like rare middle aisle things <laughs> where they have like exciting different products yeah. that's where they got I'm pretty sure that's where they got my sewing machine from and also my overlocker which I still use was from there as well so I'm pretty sure that was from Lidl. I don't, <laughs> I don't use that same machine now because it was a domestic one. Mm. Whereas now I have an industrial one, which is also secondhand, which I found about a year ago on Facebook Marketplace. And it was um, really close to where I lived. And it was this lady, it was, it was sold, being sold by her son. And it was this lady that had used to work um, in a factory in London and then as a parting gift they gave for this machine, she was what? now too old to use it. So the son was selling it for her, but it's, wow. it looks quite old. And I feel like it has a lot of history with it. That's amazing. I love that. I love that it was, you know, this, this woman's had a career out of it and now you're, she's sort of handing it down to you really. And you're having yeah. your career out of this machine. So what, what's the machine called? And uh, so the machine like? I've got now is a brother. Uh-huh. So it's, it's an industrial one. So, right. um, I'm not sure what the exact make is, but basically it's at least 60 or 70 years old. Wow, that's so cool. I love that. So that has a yeah. front and back stitch that that's all working. Yeah. Did you have to like yeah. anything mended or? Um, you know, I didn't. All I had to do was buy some more oil for it. I think it's probably due a service, but apart from that, it's running fine. Wow. Um, yes, it's a flatbed machine, so it doesn't do kind of like zigzag or any of those different stitches just does um straight straight stitching oh amazing so let's recommend a friend so name yeah. a fellow creative we should all follow and tell us why 
So I'm recommending Freya Simone. Um, she works in a similar way to me of reusing secondhand materials. She makes these amazing floral puffer coats and kind of quilted dresses. She's super creative. Her stuff is just beautiful. And yeah, I think she's fab. We did, a, we did an Instagram live together chatting all about it um, a month or two ago. And yeah, she's amazing. So I definitely would recommend everyone checking her out. Oh, amazing. So what's what's her name on Instagram then? Uh, I think just Freya Simone. I'll just double check so I'm not misquoting her, mis telling you her name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Freya Simone. Freya Simone. It's just her name. Yeah, really? so it should be reasonably straightforward for people to find. Yeah, she's great. Well, that seems like a great place to end the interview. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do share the episode link with your friends and family and on your social media stories. To find out more about any of the women I've spoken to in this special series, please check out my blog, whatsyourblog.com and click on series one. You can also find all episodes on all major platforms, including Spotify podcasts, by searching for the How To Podcast. Bye for now.